0: Kilda and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chen. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor or a similar theme. However, in our now ongoing tradition at Cinema in Context, our December episode is put aside for our favorite films of the year. And it's very exciting, uh, dear listeners, to announce that we are back in person. Hey. We are out of lockdown. Hi, guys. Welcome. And the microphone is surrounded by a a plethora of delicious treats. Would you like to describe, maybe William and Sarah, what are some of the the treats and goodies that we've got in front of us?
1: I'm seeing some uh, fresh strawberries from south of Auckland and some panettone, which I am assured must have come directly from Italy. Wow.
2: Cheeses cherry tomatoes, a pear paste, and just a, a plethora of goodies and the Christmas theme. Nice. And I'm seeing uh, uh, some great themed mugs. We've got
0: teas and coffees. William's mug in particular has a, a French or an artiste cat on it, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, very nice. None of this is relevant to films, but very relevant to the, I guess, I mean, libation relates to drinks, doesn't it? But yeah. the... the um, Oh gosh, I'm thinking of words that just are going to come out it's really wrong. Uh, what's, a, what's a nice word to describe the way that this is encouraging this thought?
1: This reminds me of a Bacchanal, a feast, <laughs> a Dionysian feast, which will is, is analogous to the discussion that we're going to have today about those amazing films of 2021. And what a year that was, ladies and gentlemen. The
2: amazing films that spilleth over.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's true. Um, I mean, 2021... It's been another
0: year interrupted by lockdowns and various restrictions because of COVID-19. Last year, we had the rule that television and film could kind of be talked about together. Uh, We haven't really talked about it. I've got some TV series in the mix of my... my favourite films of the year, even mm-hmm. though it's a slightly bending of the rules. Is that Are we happy with that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll
1: be the judge, won't we, Jeremy? Right. If anything <laughs> has anything to do with Joss Whedon or any sort of Buffy spin-off, oh, then of, no. <laughs> Joss Whedon's uh, not in good no, stead at the moment, is he? he's not the guy anymore. <laughs>
0: um, and the five categories that, that is going to craft and guide our discussion uh, are similar to what we've done in the past. We've changed up one of them a little bit. So we're going to talk to our biggest surprise of the year, So a film that maybe we didn't expect to be as good as it was. Mm -hmm. Our biggest disappointment of the year. So I guess the converse of that. A film that we were excited about and it let us down. We're going to talk about a wildcard film. Something that's maybe a bit outside of the box. That is worth mentioning and may or may not connect with the general populace. We're going to talk about a recommendation for our fellow podcasters some of us that's a single text for everybody and for some of us there might be some more individualized suggestions uh, for each of us Um, and then we're going to talk to our films of the year with probably some discussion of our runner-up texts Mm. in there Uh, now it's worth saying that me personally anyway i with lockdown we have had so many films come out in other parts of the world and even other parts of the country Mm. that now are available to us All at once. Mm. And I was just saying before we started recording, There's like I'm seeing Encanto tomorrow, the new Pixar Disney film. I could only see it at 10 a.m. in the morning on a a weekend Mm -hmm. or maybe 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, And there's a whole range of films that just aren't available. So I haven't seen Power of Dog. I haven't seen Encanto. I'm seeing Spider-Man tomorrow night. The matrix resurrections comes out on boxing day or first i can't quite figure out mm. the tragedy of macbeth is somewhere in there last none is soho which i know william you've seen french french dispatch which we were just discussing um yeah, any other disclaimers that people want to share that west side the... story west side story well i've seen that
1: oh, so um funny. because obviously i have the privilege of sometimes going to some mm. some press screenings but no you're absolutely right it was gutting to be locked down for three and a half going on four months in auckland Uh, and not be able to write uh, the review for the new James Bond film, for example, or Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. Uh, And so that had to be outsourced to some guy in uh, Wellington. So when uh, lockdown ended for us, my husband and I went to the the pictures on that first day, the Friday, we saw the Bond film, we saw The Last Duel the next day, we saw French Dispatch on the Sunday, Power of the Dog on the Monday, and Dune on the Tuesday. So, you know, getting out there... um, as quickly as possible, to make up for lost time.
0: And we were the same. My my boyfriend and I went to the movies four times in one week. Yeah. Um, And one of those was seeing the same film twice. Wow. And I just, like, we're going twice tomorrow. Like, it's just trying to get to everything. Yes. In the midst of what is already quite a full-on season with a lot of people's workplaces, let alone this other big event happening in a week's time. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Um, And we're filming, we're recording this, dear listeners, the week before Christmas. So just... To give a bit of context, mm. it's actually nice that we usually record this in
2: November, don't we? So mm. well in advance, and
1: we really have to predict what we think we're going to love. Mm-hmm. So um, at it least we're so we're a week much off. stuff.
2: So much stuff comes out in these months leading up to the award season. That's right, and it's oftentimes the best movies of the year. Yeah, yeah. And well. spoiler, I think spoilers.
0: Uh, we usually talk quite spoilerific, don't we? Uh, I think with these ones, we try and hedge some of those spoilers because there's no real warning for people to know what films we're going to talk about. And I think there's fairness to us as well. And and,
1: And also I think what's nice about this sort of episode is that invariably we'll be talking about films that other people haven't seen and therefore you might hear about it and go, oh, that sounds good, I'll find it. So yeah, this is that opportunity.
0: Right, let's jump in. Should we start with Surprise? Who wants to kick us off with their
2: biggest surprise of 2021? All right, here we go guys there's so many oddball movies that came out this year um i guess a lot of the stuff pushed back from 2019 and 2020 as well and for me one of the biggest surprises was a movie called werewolves within hmm. so i don't know if you guys like the card game mafia you know yeah. i do i i know you do I know, I know that was about. a leading question <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. So Mafia is is one of the the great social deduction card games that people play on camp, you know, amongst friend groups. And it's all about figuring out who's lying in your group and voting them out. Uh, A spinoff of Mafia is called Werewolves, um, which is, you know, uh, much more supernatural themed. And uh, in the mid-2010s, the gaming company Ubisoft created a VR, virtual reality version of Werewolves called Werewolves Within where you were playing Mafia, except uh, it was in VR with other players being represented by avatars. And the story goes that they then decided to fund a film adaptation of the VR game, of the card game, of an adaptation of another card game. Uh, And this movie is so much fun, you guys. It's basically what happened if a game of Mafia or Game of Werewolves was turned into a movie. Wow, and so you have a small town in Vermont. It stars, uh, I guess, some people you maybe know. So Sam Richardson from from Veep is the main dude. Um, Milana Vayntrub, Harley Guilen from what we do in the shadows, um, but all of them are these these archetypes who are trapped in a small Vermont town during a snowstorm there may or may not be a werewolf among them Mm -hmm. wow um and of course uh there's backstabbings there's a lot of stuff that you recognize from playing the game like people saying i'm innocent um and then it culminates in just a really really fun way um so just such a a breath of fresh air uh wonderful horror comedy werewolves within that sounds like like murder mystery genre i'm getting hints
0: i'm getting hints on my palate of um (laughs) The Thing, Hateful Eight, a
2: Clue. Actually, it, it skews really, really close. It's like if Hateful Eight meets Clue with werewolves. Mm. Nice. Yeah, that's on the poster. I'm
0: sold. <laughs> Excellent. Werewolves Within. Mm-hmm. Werewolves Within. Among Us as well. Is that, yes, the, of course. new game that's
2: oh my kind of spreading the world. Yeah. Where
1: would one find Werewolves Within? On the internet.
2: On the internet. So I uh, bought it or I rented it on YouTube. Yep. I think it's on Shudder. Oh the, yeah, uh, a okay. streaming site. Okay, but YouTube is the easiest way to
0: find. Great, it. that's an interesting uh, development in the film and TV landscape, right? Is describing where you can access these mm. things. Like I think about the Flix website, and and a lot of articles now. I was reading um, a Flix article about the Wachowskis' films, and each film, you know, this this writer was sort of re- post reviewing it after many many years, and they always had the logo of the platform that you could access. Cool, it. just an interesting development, right? In mm. The way that we share about movies. Mm. Sarah, share us your surprise film of 2021.
1: Okay, so my surprise film, um, I think more it was like a a pleasant surprise that it was actually good. Uh, The film is Annette. Uh, It is a musical. Um, It is (laughs) intensely strange. It it opened, I think, the Cannes Film Festival, and if it didn't open it, it could have and should have. Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, play uh, lovers he is a a narcissistic misanthropic comedian she is um, a a beautiful opera singer uh, and they are passionately in love but it is one of these over-the-top destructive self-destructive relationships Uh, and Annette is notable uh, partly because it is uh, directed by that French darling of the uh, Cannes Film Festival and the festival circuit Léos Carax Uh, who did Holy Motors, but also because it is a musical scored and lyriced by the Sparks Brothers, or rather the Males Brothers, um, known as Sparks, the very, very esoteric band who have been going like 50 years or something. And I only encountered Sparks at the very, very beginning of the 2000s and was enchanted by their music. It's very, very orchestral. It's very it's strange but not in a disconcerting way to me it's very melodic and harmonic and the lyrics are terribly clever my favorite of their songs is called I married myself and it goes I married myself we're very happy together or I'm very happy together going for long walks on the beach that sort of thing anyway (laughs) so that's obscure it's just a marvelous film musically if you're into it you're gonna love it it is did you see it? Pino? I did. I it's did. so over the top, isn't it? And it's theatrical and it's bombastic and it gets away with it, to my mind. I saw it in the cinema, which I think helps a lot because I think you need to be immersed in the ludicrosity of it all. <laughs> um, and then even when it gets quite dark and kind of um, not, not grim so much, but quite dark, doesn't it? Um it's, it's still sort of intoxicating and wonderful. But I will just say, I was listening to the, the soundtrack throughout the film and, like, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to like Spotify this and listen to it ad nauseum afterwards. And I can't because actually the music's super depressing when you're <laughs> listening to it without the film going on. So there we are. Note to self, forget about it. But, uh, <laughs> so Annette, Léonce Carax, um, Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard. Fantastique.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Um. We had a couple of conversations about this, Sarah. I, I think I appreciated the movie more than I enjoyed it. Right. Um. But you and I both liken it to like a fine art installation. Yes. Right? You you see it and it's so avant garde in your face. It's like I really like what they're doing mm. even if I am not on board with the film itself.
1: Mm. Um, I'm feeling. Right? Yes. And yes. that's what art ought to do is mm-hmm. make you feel even if it's ooh. Because
2: it's it's intentionally off boarding in mm. so many ways, including the music. Mm. Um but and yet you you cannot help but marvel at the craft of the filmmaking.
1: I agree. I agree. So, Jeremy, tell us, what was your biggest surprise of the year?
2: Well, my biggest surprise
0: of the year is the only Marvel entry you'll find on my list this year, even though there has been some interesting offerings in 2021. And that is the first of the new sort of revived television series that they've been doing. Uh, WandaVision with, um, Mm. is it Elizabeth Olsen? Is that her name? One of the the Olsen sisters Uh, and um, Paul Bettany. In a role that I don't think he ever expected to become what it became. You know, he was originally the voice of Vision. No, not Vision. um, Jarvis, Mm. wasn't it? In the Iron Man series. And then it's growing into this rich and wonderful character of Vision. WandaVision uh, is a sort of six to eight part series. I can't remember exactly how many episodes. uh, Where each episode Mm. follows a different era of American sitcom television. Mimicking the styles and... Yeah, creating a story through genre that you're not quite sure how it's all going to pan out. You know that something's wrong. You know that this is somehow a veil for something more sinister going on involving big government and secret agents and mind control. Uh, and it's it's a really fun fun time. I know William and I have talked about it. You, you had some issues with the final... Uh, episode and how things wrapped up. I, I was really... I just had a great time from mm. start to finish. I thought Elizabeth Olsen's performance was spectacular, as was Paul Bettany, but Elizabeth Olsen particularly, she is wonderful. The other bit characters, um, you've got Katherine Hahn in there, who's an absolute mm, joy to watch. She's so good. Um, I don't know the name of the actress who... Uh, plays the other superhero. She kind of gains her powers right. through the through the piece. She's fantastic. Um, you've got the character played by... Oh, what's her name? Dennings. Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings. She comes in from the Thor series. Um, oh, there's a whole range of really good characters in there. I had a great time. If you love genre, TV genre, particularly sitcoms from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s, uh, you'll have a good time yes. with WandaVision.
1: So can I ask you, Jeremy, what does somebody need to know... Um I don't know, about the MCU or anything at all in order to enjoy WandaVision? Or is it something you can come to totally, like, knowing nothing? I think
0: that's a really good question. There's two major plot points, and they're both from the Avengers series. So if you were to watch uh, the four Avengers films, or even the three Avengers films, you'll get enough to know what's going on. So. Mm. Um, Elizabeth Olsen's character she is a mutant from the X-Men universe but Mm. because of licensing issues they cannot refer to her as a a mutant they have to call her a gifted or something (laughs) Um, and so she has mind control abilities and she can create reality so she can make you think that you're Sitting on the front. Because I feel fronts, like
1: I've or... seen her in one of the films, which must have been an Avengers film. Yeah, uh, her brother
0: yeah. was very fast. He, he was very fast. And oh, her... the speedy guy. Yeah, he's
1: my favorite, played by Evan Peters.
0: Well, Evan Peters plays him in the X Men films, oh. but he's played by what's the dude's name in in Avengers? Aaron. The guy is married to the, the uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yes. yes, yes. Oh. Um, so he, oh, he it's dies. Confusing, yeah.
1: isn't Yeah. Oh, don't even. And the show <laughs> makes it
0: slightly even more confusing. Evan, Evan oh. Peters comes into the show as her brother.
1: So oh, they yeah. really start playing with the with Okay, it. okay. Um
0: but um so he dies in the Avengers film, her brother dies. Mm. Her only her only significant relationship, you know, she mm. they grew up as orphans in Russia. And then um the character of, of Vision is created in one of the Avengers films and they fall in love. So she finds love with this character. And he dies in uh, one of the Avengers Infinity War, War yeah. Because he has one of the stones in his head and so that kinda has to get ripped uh, out to make the glove that does the click. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah. there we go, team. Okay. And so you need to know that because she so you so there's a couple of mysteries going on. One is vision's in this show, and he's dead. Um and I other, think you
1: can stop. To be honest, <laughs> you lost me at, at <laughs> <thing>. Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> 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 no, I mean I like him, don't get me wrong, but no, I'm just Okay, so the answer is Just watch it. Just watch it. Okay, cool.
0: There we go. All right, let's move into disappointment. Feels like a good segue. (laughs) Mm. Oh, The disappointment of that conversation. Um, (sighs) Let's go to Sarah, and then we'll go to William, and I can bring us back Back to the next one.
1: Let's go back to Cannes 2021, ladies and gentlemen, where a French female director won the Palme d'Or for her film... Titan, I'm pretty sure. Titan as we're calling it in the Anglo world, is Titan, and it's a uh, it's titanium basically. Oh my gosh! Or Sacre Bleu, as they say in France. So this film won the frickin' Palme d'Or, right? Wow. Okay, so it's as I mentioned, it's by um, a, a French female film director who is known. I forget her name now. Do you remember her name? No, I shall look her up um she is and i'm sorry lady director that i don't remember your name off the top of my head i am ill prepared however she is known for her film raw um r-a-w not the one with the lions um <laughs> and um she is um uh, oh yes that's right it's uh, julie uh Ducourneau. thank you very much she is french belgian as well you shouldn't mess that up for the belgians so I, my apologies um oh flippinick this film is supposed to be bravura filmmaking, female um, protagonist. The female protagonist is called Alexia. She. Uh, we're introduced to her in the most extraordinary one-shot opening scene. She is um, a surly, pierced, uh, tattooed, model-type, who is, uh, does the most incredibly sexy moves, dance or something, atop a, a Corvette or some sort of big, big, big ass car in a car show. Uh, and honestly, it's incredible and it's sexy and it's provocative and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, this character becomes that she is actually a serial killer of sorts in a very sort of clockwork orangey, sort of nihilistic-y kind of way. And... Um, and uh, one thing leads to another and she's disenfranchised from her family and um, she inveigles her way into a relationship with uh, Vincent London, Vincent London, uh, who is a, a firefighter, grieving the, the mysterious disappearance of his son. Uh, Alexia pretends to be a boy. None of this is really a spoiler. She pretends to be the, a boy. You, what is this movie? Yeah. and, and, and <laughs> Exactly. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right. And then, and it's gruesome as, and um, typically with uh, Dorko um very, very, actually like a Cronenbergian sort of, right. you know, body horror kind right. of uh, um, style. Uh, you get all the things. You get a body piercing being caught in somebody's hair. You get um, a, a, a thingy needle. What are these called? A hypodermic needle plunged into somebody's buttocks. You get flesh. You get. People, it like people's a Grindhouse
0: advertisement flesh. Oh
1: honestly. Hypermic needles. <laughs> and like body or bodily orifice is spewing motor oil and just kind of like <laughs> weird stuff, right? And um, oh. so not only did this film win the palm door, oh no, you may say, Why didn't you like it, Sarah? Okay, it's not that I'm squeamish, although I did flinch plenty of times, and it's almost like the director is 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 playing chicken with you to see whether you can handle what she's putting on screen. But actually the story is just a freaking mess and the character development is a freaking mess as well. So the absurdity doesn't work in a way that you might, that Cronenberg, for example, might get away with. You know, I find
0: Cronenberg. I always want to like his films more than I do. Like, right. I don't feel they always hold together. Whereas someone like John Carpenter, he's fantastic. He's got a yeah. heart and a drive, and he can kind of get away with some of those flares. But this you.
1: this doesn't quite work, and it just seems to be schlocky shock value kind of thing. So anyway, not only did it win the Palm d'Or, mind blown, but. France have the audacity to enter this as their foreign language nomination to the, uh, to the Oscars next year. Wow. And the very thought that the Academy voters are going to be, you know, have this inflicted upon them and be expected to vote for this uh, over goodness knows what, um, I, do, I just think is laughable. <laughs> so Titan, I think, is worth watching if you just have so much time on your hands and you're so yeah. interested in film that you want to know what you feel about it. But it isn't, to my mind, or my husband's, a good, well-made film. So mmm. Sorry, that welcome thank you for listening to my TED talk. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, nice. William, what's your biggest disappointment of I was 2021? Just chuckling silently throughout. Um, I had two things on my list. Um, I'll talk about one of them because my other thing was Titan. Uh geez, this oh, funny. movie is terrible. Yeah,
1: there you go. It's
2: um I love Raw, you guys. Have you guys seen Raw? Uh-uh. It's so gross but in in such a different way to titan because it's very very directed and it has a central metaphor that the entire movie revolves around whereas titan the threads just unravel almost immediately i'm so
1: relieved you have no
2: idea what happens yeah 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 um and i agree Sarah. it's just schlock for schlock Mm. the schlock is pretty
0: good is there there comparisons to be made i'm thinking of richard kelly who did donnie Darko. in his movies just kind of and and then um, the guy to drive
2: yeah, uh, what was Make after Donny Darko? Darko? Um, it was that that crazy movie with The Rock South and Justin Tales. Timberlake. I kind of
0: love *Southland Tales* because it's such is,
2: it's so outrageous. That is such a good comparison. So yes, uh, I would say that *Titan* is to *Raw* as. <laughs> self Southland is to Donnie Darko. Narratively.
1: Yes. Not, obviously, body yeah. horror-y.
2: Um, but since you covered it so, so well, Sarah, I'm going to talk about my other biggest disappointment, which, unfortunately, was also one of my faves in 2020. It's Ted Lasso Season 2. Ooh, oh, nice. I did not like the season, you didn't you guys. didn't like the whole no, season. I thought it was, it was really, really playing on some of the weakest aspects of the show. Um, I really disliked how the show became just another sitcom. It felt to me that everything that was introduced to try and build on the characters was was really, really like textbook sitcom stuff. Um, things that wouldn't really appear in season one of Tear Adesso, which to me, even though it was exaggerated characters, it was in a world that felt like okay, this could kind of exist. I can see people acting like this. Whereas Te Season 2 just heaped cliché, or for me anyway, cliché upon cliché upon cliché. There's some stuff that works really well. I thought the character of Nate, Mm. uh, Nick Muhammad, his arc is amazing. Yes. So good. I agree. Um, But everything else, and I I know the show is often um, accused of being really trickly sweet, I didn't really mind that, I guess, apart from the Christmas episode. Um, But it was really just how evident that this was a TV show. And I I... really felt
1: like, oh, I I thought you were better than this, Ted Lasso. Mm. Can I challenge you a little on that, William? Because I hear what you're saying in terms of it possibly hitting beats, for example. And this is a mini, mini titchy witchy spoiler, which I hope is allowed. Because honestly, if you love Ted Lasso, you've probably seen it by now. So, for example, when, um, I want to call her Hayley. What's her name? Um, um, Keely. Keely. When, when you know, when when Nate kisses Keely and she mm. she coughs up to Roy about it, and we expect that the character of Roy is going to get super mad and punch someone in the face, and instead he's really gracious about mm-hmm. it. That seems to me that what Ted Lasso does, I think, expertly, expertly, is um, is, is posit yes, is posit something that's a traditional sort of cliche, mm. and then subvert it usually by making the characters decent, more decent people than we are expecting reaction to be well, that's I right i think
2: specifically with that example what got to me was how they were piling all the cards against that couple right right you had the school teacher that were was kind of having a thing with with brett goldstein's character yeah you had keely and then um J- jamie tart coming back into your yes, life was right. like this is too much you guys I, mm. I, I don't i don't like what you're doing here um narratively right. on that level I'm so glad you
0: brought this up, William, because you brought up Ted Lasso as one of your favourite texts of last year, and Mm. that motivated me to go watch it, and Mm. absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. And um, it didn't get to Ted Lasso 2 for quite a while, I think, just fatigue in the the lockdown. I thought, I want to wait until I'm in the right headspace, and I also want to wait until I can binge the whole thing, because that was part of the joy of watching it over the Mm. Christmas season last year. Um, So I watched it, uh, what did I do? I watched... I watched a couple of episodes, and then I was, and then I watched the rest with my with with my boyfriend and his flatmates. They, we all watched it together, and I had already been warned that it was disappointing. So it wasn't a disappointment for me because I'd already kind of been set up to be disappointed. Mm. But there's two episodes in particular for me that really, I was like, "What is going on?" Everything else I was generally happy with, even the Christmas episode, the, the, um, the Coach Beard episode, the Coach Beard episode. So yeah. my issue with the Coach Beard episode is that it doesn't go anywhere no. and it doesn't influence the story like in any way mm. and and those sort of episodes are often my favourite kind of episodes you know yeah. there's Kubrick there's it was, it was a Kubrick celebration right there's yeah. Clockwork Orange and Eyes Wide Shut and there's all these different films that, of Kubrick movies that they were referencing the blue moon and the sky that they kept showing um, and there was no revelation. There was no change, and there was no influence on in the story. You could actually skip that episode, oh, you totally and you wouldn't—you you wouldn't miss anything. Was it that was called It
1: had a particular name that shows that it's a reference to another text.
0: I don't. I can't remember. I was—I was getting Kubrick strong. Actually, references to other texts became very on the nose. Like I love Brett Goldstein's um, podcast, uh, uh, "Films to Be Buried With," and so his knowledge was on show there. Uh, but it was just it got a little bit gimmicky, and then the next episode, which was the funeral episode, mm. my issue with that is there is a big build up to to to, and this is a spoiler, so just kind of if you haven't seen the season, maybe skip forward twenty seconds, thirty seconds. There's a big um, re- build up to Ted revealing to the counsellor, to the therapist, yes. kind of what's his, what's going on yes, for him, and he yes. reveals this very um, traumatic experience which of losing I was his incredibly...
1: father. Meaning, beautiful. We'd been waiting
0: for this moment. And they intercut that scene with Rebecca talking about her father to her mother. Which is, like, we, we don't know her father. Yeah. We, it wasn't the right time to have a character beat for Rebecca. Right. I wanted to stay with Ted yeah. in that scene. Like, uh, there's just some really poor choices. I feel that the final episode brought it back. I think Nate's storyline. I've had some friends that don't agree with me. But I really think the way that they, they built up Nate's daddy issues. Yes. To putting mm. unrealistic expectations on what Ted's relationship was, and in the way he treated everybody else. Brilliant human, nuanced storytelling. Mm. But yeah, I, I thought those two episodes really were so left field. It's
1: called Beard... Be- Be- Can't even say his name now. Beard After Hours. Uh, and I'm just madly searching, and I'm sure that our readers, listeners, watchers will, will know this or find it better. But it, it is related to... Um, <clears throat> oh, it is. It's related to Martin Scorsese's 1980 film, 85 film, After Hours, mm. which sends Griffin Dunn, an ordinary white-collar New Yorker, through the wilds of New York City uh, and through their, the after-dark underside of that city. So it's obviously uh, an homage to quite why they did that I don't well, know I mean I feel
0: like there was this big build up about you know let's not talk about his relationship let him figure it out for himself Yeah. and I felt that the, it made sense that he would understand how toxic that relationship with, with, was with his girlfriend Yeah. and then that lesson could then propel into the next few episodes and there might have been a big um, obstacle that they were facing as a team uh. and Coach Baird's revelation and being a part of that community then influenced some breakthrough. Like, that would make... Because the actual episode itself was quite fun, but the fact that it meant nothing... Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? Or did
1: it, did it no, mean I something? I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> it didn't me. mean anything to me. And if anything, it was just holding us back from, come on, come on, we want to know what's up with Ted. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fair call. Oh, oh. oh. well, it um, was my Ted talk. it was yeah. after... <laughs> yeah. William's hey, a, a literal <laughs> Ted talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So was that your biggest disappointment? Yeah,
0: no, like- no, my biggest disappointment of the year was no time to die. The latest Oh! Day-
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have time for, ladies
0: and gentlemen. So, and, and like most of my disappointments, uh, I think Incredibles 2 has been on this list before, It's not because they were not good films, but because they are almost great films. And so for me, if you were to watch any half an hour of that movie, you'd have a great time. So the cast is great, the, the, the dialogue is fantastic, the jokes and the I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge's influence is very clearly seen through that. I thought the set pieces were great. The, that that
1: bike jump. I loved, oh you know, even gosh. though I'd seen it in the trailer so many times, yeah. still, in the movies, that bike jump, I was just like, woo! I guess. I don't remember. what... You, At
2: the what very, very beginning. He goes
1: up the stairs and over oh, yeah, yeah. into the town square. Oh, my God. Oh, my They would have done that for real, right? Yeah.
0: Um, so, the, the, all of the set pieces were great. I thought. Um, you know, the bringing back of characters and the kind of referencing of not just the last four oh, no. Daniel Craig films, mm. but wonderful references to the whole series. Oh, I mean, yes. you had musical flourishes from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. You had, mm-hmm. of course, the Louis... as it Louis Armstrong? Is that his... Yes. Um, his, you know, All the Time in the, the World. Of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really impressive references. I mean, especially with... Um, uh, what was the film I just mentioned? Um... That the music's from um, um, On Her uh, Majesty's Secret yeah. Service I mean that's the that's a George Lazenby one mm-hmm. isn't it where he marries Diana Rigg and then she gets killed at the end mm-hmm. I mean there's some very lovely homages there Yeah. Um, I just felt like this film had been designed all of the set pieces had been decided upon before they'd finished or written the script and had started making the movie before they'd written the script uh. because the Rami Malek character who great villain aesthetically and, and performatively is great, it, de- great lair at the end. But he's a nothing. <laughs> isn't it it? No he's sense. a nothing. But I had no him. idea what his motivation truly yeah. was. Why he was gathering this this ridiculous weapon? Like the negligence of of MI six is like Ray fine's character should go to flip in prison for <laughs> life. But- <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the most dangerous weapon. And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, we got got the wrong hands. I'm like, this is terrible. It just, it made, and I turned to Josh, um, my boyfriend at one point, point. I said, do you understand what's going on? And he's like, I have, or do you know why he's doing it? He's like, I have no idea why yeah. he's doing that. And also, it, it just, it didn't weave together. So, loved all the set pieces, but I got to the end, I was like, oh, it was better than Spectre, but mm. Spectre was so bad that, uh, you know, anything's better than Spectre. Like, <laughs> yeah. Biggest disappointment of the year. Any thoughts on No Time for Die? I almost
1: don't want to because I don't want us to say too much because.
0: Spoilers. Yeah. Mm. It's still worth seeing at the cinema. And I've said to a lot of my Mm. friends if you haven't been to the movies and you want to just go and just watch a movie, that's a movie to go and watch. (laughs) I love the Jamaica reference, um, you know, the Ian Fleming Mm. and the. the, I turned to to Josh again at one point. I was like, this is one of the original sets from Dr. No, they've recreated Mm. it. Loved the new... Um, oh, I don't... Yeah, it's a spoiler, isn't it? Yeah. Some of the the female
2: characters... Actually, the female characters yeah. are
0: fantastic.
2: Mm. Ana the It's like, please, come back to the movie. She You're d- awesome. She disappears. Yeah. And she's brilliant. Um she, and she literally goes like, well,
1: see ya. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, anyways. I'd be interested to see what right. they move... How they move forward with the James Bond series. Yeah.
1: Well, you haven't gone first yet, Jeremy. Do you want to launch us into your wild card?
0: I'd love to. I thought long and hard about this and moved around some things, but I still feel like this makes most sense to fall into the wild card category. It's a film that is actually kind of like I don't want to say it's terrible because it's not, but it's it's very silly. It's a very silly movie. Not everybody's going to love it, but it is. I feel like going to become a cult classic and a harking back. To a bygone era of movies that were made, let's say 20, 30 years ago. And that is Barb and Star go to oh, Mr. Yeah, Del <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a cutie! I, I was so excited about this movie because I will kind of watch Kristen Wiig staring at a wall, you know? Like I think she's just hilarious and funny. And her writing partner, um, Annie, forgotten her last name, who did Bridesmaids, they did this movie. And it's it's going to be further from *Bridesmaids*. It is a Romeo and Michelle high school reunion meets Austin Powers. Uh, you know Kristen Mc playing the villain and the hero, um, and it's just it's ludicrous. Or in the words of Maya Rudolph quoting um, Paula, whatever I can't remember her name, ludicrous. Oh, um,
1: it's have you seen it? Have you? Yes. What did you think? I, um, thought it was silly.
0: It's so. And, silly. and we got
1: to the end, and I'm pretty sure my husband said, "Well, I can see why Jeremy liked that." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I and mean, then
0: you've got talking crabs in the voice of Morgan Freeman. You've got, you know, a goddess, sea goddess riding dolphins. You've got, what else have you got? Uh, someone, uh, killer mosquitoes. Um, to
1: me, it's like a dessert buffet in like a mid-tier kind of restaurant <laughs> where there's some stuff that you're like, that was actually above average delicious. And then there's just a whole lot of stuff that's like, feels shop bought or like is, is, yeah, too gelatinous.
0: You can tell that there's just people having <laughs>
1: two gelatinous
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. rave ceremonies,
1: <Sarah laughs> <laughs> <laughs> bob and star, two gelatinous at times.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can tell that they are just having an absolute blast, well, whether the audience is or not. I had a great time. I watched it a few times, and it's so stupid. That's <laughs> nice.
1: lovely. It's silly. Speaking of the people, the filmmakers, the sorry, the yeah, the actors, the filmmakers having a blast, possibly at the expense of the audience. That reminds me of the Ocean's movies. Um, Particularly the old the old version, the Frank Sinatra version, but particularly the newer version. And I, you know, for Ocean's Eleven, I was like, "Yep, I'm with you." And by the time it was twelve and thirteen, I was just like, "You guys are just making me pay to watch you have a fun time making a movie <laughs> and making some money," and I kind of resented that a little. I think that happens more often than not.
0: Doesn't I do. It? People it does often now. choose films because nothing has always happened. It's like, oh, "Yeah, I'll go and spend a yeah. summer in Hawaii making yeah yeah." Thanks, they film. Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah. That's me. William, what's your
2: wild card movie of 2021? All right, guys. Space Jam 2, a new legacy. Make no! Serious? No! This is. I mean, I gotta bring it up because, you guys, this is the future of entertainment no. <laughs> algorithm it, filmmaking. It, it, it is algorithm filmmaking with a villain called Algae Rhythm. Okay? Oh, wow. It is so bleak. I, I don't know if either of you have seen the Memberberries episode of South Park. No. Okay, so it's the episode where the kids of South Park um, consume member berries, and it's these little nuggets of nostalgia. Mm. So it's like, oh, Indiana Jones, member, member? Um, This is the member berries movie. Um, Basically, it's Warner Brothers taking Space Jam, you know, a Mm. quote unquote beloved film from 1996, sticking LeBron James in it, and going, you know what? Disney has all this IP let show the world what we have in our stable.
1: Yeah, I see. Such
2: IP, kid-friendly, you know, IP is Game of Thrones, <laughs> Rick and Morty, <laughs> Casablanca, <laughs> A Clockwork Orange, wow. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, <laughs> the list goes on. Are you it is, serious? I am all those dead serious. The all world. these, the characters in these movies are in the movie, most of them with speaking lines or at least a shot of them cheering in the stands. It's nuts, uh, Sarah. When we did our free guy matrix episode, yeah. you were pretty disparaging of yes, the Marvel Disney that. stuff. That you know he pulls out a lightsaber and there's the Star Wars thing. Um, uh, don't watch Space Jam two. No. I think you will hate this movie. And it's it's just so it's so dispiriting and so unfortunate that oh this might be where we're heading. You see all these IPs cl- clashing in so many products nowadays. Stuff like Fortnite. Oh, guess what? Batman's in Fortnite. You want to play as Batman? Yeah, it seems really, really um, pertinent to the dark path we are heading down. Uh, but that's not actually my wild card. My wild card, yeah, my yeah. Wild card <laughs> is Slammilton. Okay.
1: No.
2: So, I- I'm sorry guys. This is breaking the rules. Left, right, and center. Uh, Slamilton is what Space Jam 2 and New Legacy should have been. So <laughs> you, this is... You shared it with us. And yes? I listened to, I listened oh, you to like, a good chunk okay. of it. Thank yeah. you so much. It is a mashup concept album of the first Space Jam album and ads and trailers and dialogue with Le Miranda's Hamilton. Get out! Um, <laughs> that with you, terrible. it's you. Get out of here. <laughs> it's so good, and it shows that these IP mashups can work if people love both the IP. Mm. You know, the the idea that we can take something so incongruous as these two things. And they mesh it into something which I think is a cohesive whole. And there's a... friggin' hell, there's a narrative thread that goes through Sammilton that draws from both the emotions of Hamilton and of Space Jam 96. That's very clever. It's incredible. And the the music is actually really good. I Um. love that. Imagine if they made that into a film. (laughs) I I think about, like... I fully agree with you,
0: William, about the dark path we're going and how the nostalgia kind of mining of all of these... What's the meta meta-referential no what's what is the thing where you reference you put something into kind of kind of fan service but it's it's more about the thing than the thing I okay. can't do you know what I'm saying yeah
2: I mean, meta I think that I mean meta is what people call it nowadays
0: yeah there's, there's another word for it yeah. it's got a fancy word but the one that I was excited about was the idea for the third catch 20 not catch 22 um, what's the one where they go into the school and pretend to be high school students to catch the drug oh, uh, um, oh uh, 21 Jump Street 21, 21 Jump yes. Street yes and, and of course that second one 22 Jump Street they made the joke of all the sequels at the oh, end that ending is just, just like oh, yes, yes. What, are, what are they going to do and, and there was there were it was in development they were mm. going to make a Men in Black and um, I'll keep on saying Catch 22, 22 23 Jump Street mm. kind of mash over with the best mm-hmm. I mean, that's idea that's such a good idea and we yeah. know that Chris Lord and um, Miller what's his yeah. name Phil Miller uh, uh, Chris Miller? Miller Phil Lord Chris Miller Phil Lord my words are really serving me well today <laughs> listeners um, they would have done a great job of that because they do that mash up so well yeah uh, but yeah I, I enjoyed Slam Dalton <laughs> what I heard Why, thank uh, you yeah
1: Good times. Hmm. Sarah? Well, I'm a little more highbrow than everyone else at the table, evidently, because my wild card is a documentary called Class Action Park.
2: Did any of you watch it? Yes, of course I did, Sarah. Did you
1: watch it, Jeremy? No,
2: but I enjoyed William's laugh. Oh, Oh my gosh. Highbrow it is.
1: Class Action Park is an extraordinary documentary about an extraordinary amusement park in uh, Vernon, New Jersey, I'm already
0: loving. I love amusing class and I love watching videos online of rides, but equally of you know, people who okay. died on rides. So
1: this documentary is available. It certainly was available many months ago on Netflix, and God willing, it's still on there. It's a 2020 film, but I only got to see it this this year. So, Class Action Park is actually. Um, Well, rather, Action Park is the name of an amusement park that was uh, devised. I haven't even done my... I haven't refreshed my memory on this. Was it in the 70s or the 80s? And the people of New Jersey uh, flocked to it uh, and... um, the most fascinating thing about Action Park is that it was created to be that much riskier, that much more dangerous, that much, you take your own life in your hands. I mean, Osh just would have had a field day, Um, but people went there anyway, and you kind of, you got your cred for doing the crazy leaps off cliffs into the water below um, and and surviving. Or you might, you know, break a limb or something, and you broke your arm at Action Park, that kind of thing. there is. I don't really need to say very much about the film, other than to say it is the most fascinating and eye, eye-boggling. Um, the footage that they have uh, is extraordinary, and the 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 the. the drama that unfolds around okay sure a couple of deaths and multiple injuries and um the fact that it was run by a bunch of teenagers like we're talking just teenagers 14 15 16 they were the ones with the the whistles and the life vests if there were life vests they were a supposed lot of them... to save
2: people's lives
1: exactly they were the ones serving food in the cafeteria they were the ones getting high and shagging up in the cabin in the mountain and you know all this stuff it is hilarious
0: I'm sold. This is. I love stories
2: like this. It's
1: brilliant. I'm actually going to watch it again after this because oh, I've so resold good. it to myself. So is I'm it on gonna, Netflix? Still? Yeah, enjoy, I think uh, it may be. And the action park
2: was a water park come uh, like motor park. So there were motorboats and go karts. You can see just all sorts of shenanigans coming out of this.
1: Oh, it's terrible, but it's amazing, and it's amazing that it ever was allowed to exist. But also that there is just this incredible. Like, you totally get it. There's this bravado of the people nowadays who look back and go, We survived either visiting or working at Action Parks.
2: So yeah, Jeremy, <laughs> they had a loop-de-loop slide. A loop-de-loop slide. Wow. And they tried that it out. it was fall down. Yeah. yeah. And they tried. They smashed their faces as they fell onto the inner loop. And oh so then they modified gosh.
1: it slightly, and then they'd modify another one, and there's like a water kind of chute that's it's pitch black inside, and people were getting stuck, or they were getting bashed, or they were coming out the bottom bleeding and bruised. And
2: With the loop-de-loop slide there, ended up installing a hatch at the top of the loop as an escape for people who have lost their teeth. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So there you this go. This is... This is great TV. There's a
1: wild card for you. So <laughs> wow. There's your Christmas viewing. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> William, do you want to start us off with our recommendations category? Sure thing. Um, now, this was actually at the top of my list, my film stash TV of the year for the longest time before something else bumped it down further Ooh. along. Um, I love the show, Reservation Dogs.
0: Oh, I so want to see this. I haven't watched oh, it yet.
2: Please go see it, everybody. Is it on Disney or Apple? It, or? It's, um, it's FX, but you can see it in New Zealand on Disney+. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so Reservation Dogs is the new, I guess it's a sitcom from Sterling Hadja and Taika Waititi. Um, it's about four disaffected youth uh, living on an unnamed reservation, a Native American reservation in Oklahoma. So it's Alora uh, Dannon, which is an awesome name from Willow, uh, played by Devery Jacobs. Bear, played by the uh Wunatai. Cheese, Lane Factor, and Willie Jack, Paulina and Alexis. And I think what starts out is something very, very, for lack of a better term, Taika Waititi. You know, Mm. kind of uh, street smart kids who are in a pretty miserable situation with like, I mean, obviously there's poverty. There's a lot of social things going on.
1: They just want to get the hell out of Dodge, don't that, they? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: The, the, the first episode is all about them committing petty crimes and selling goods to try and earn enough money to go to California. Uh, like, it's it's this fabled place. They want to get out of the rares, get out of Oklahoma, because there's no hope there. But as the show goes on, it's it's really, really lovely. Like, it's a hangout film or hangout series with these four very, very realistic teens. I, I think the, the casting is so good. Um, and it's, it's really about... Uh, in my eye, kind of what Taika Waititi usually brings to the screen... I, I think you could argue that it's it's very Wes Anderson-y. It's mm. the, I always Ta- think of, Taika Waititi is, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, his movies always feel like Wes Anderson with a layer of artifice stripped away. And to well, me... For
0: me, for me, yeah? Taika Waititi is like Wes Anderson, but with far more sadness underneath. Right, yes. It's sort of funnier... But sad at yep. the same time. That's
2: good. Mm. Unless
1: you're talking about The Royal Tenenbaums which we watched again last night which is just sad. It's just sad. <laughs>
2: but okay, yep. Uh, whereas this because he he's only exact producing and obviously his fingerprints are on this project yeah. but it's it's mainly uh, Sterling Hodge's project. Mm. It's a Taika YTT film with everything that he brings the artifice stripped away. Mm. Like it's very, very almost cinema verite in places. Oh. Um, and I love it. It's 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 a thing that's, I mean, it's broken all these records, right? All indigenous writers and directors, almost entirely indigenous North American cast and production wow. team. So many of the writers are from a comedy troupe, the 1491s, which uh, Sterling Drew is a member of, and it's just, it's, it's loose, but in a way that feels comfortable and lived in. The production design and the acting and the setting and the plot just feels so real. Um, and yet, there's always that tinge of optimism and hope. And even though the situation is hopeless, it never becomes wallowing. Like the, you, you're not you're not brought in as an audience as tourists to see. Oh, look at how this side lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're very much with these kids, with their individual stories and how you know they strive to be better people. So, just a lovely series.
0: That oh, that so I mean, I already want to watch it. I just haven't got around to watching it. And I mean, Ted Lasso, you know, you you so. I think you even undersold Ted Lasso. You you gushed about it, but that was such an enjoyable first season. I can't wait to jump into that. Oh, awesome. I'm going to jump in with my recommendation, and we'll come to you, Sarah, to, to wrap up this round. Um, my my the recommendation that came to mind is not a not a one not one from this year, and you've heard me recommend it to both of you many times. So I'm going to mention it, and then I'll actually share my proper one, which uh, the one that I keep harping on about is The Leftovers Mm. because I've re-watched season one and two this lockdown I watched the first two episodes in fact I watched I watched the second episode of season three again I mentioned my boyfriend Josh a lot this episode but he was was sort of passively watching as well it completely disturbed him He had to leave my house he's like i have to leave he was so disturbed by the existential qualities of the show i didn't even think he was watching it and he was like uh, 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 uh. but it is and I, and I was talking to another friend i'm, I'm recording at a, a friend's podcast tonight they've got a survivor podcast called um well, what's it called the dragon i should really i should really shout out to them properly um i want to i, I want to say into the dragon but that's not the name of it <laughs> no <laughs> slaying the dragon there we go so they've got a survivor podcast not
1: chasing clip. the dragon <laughs> no no
0: <laughs> slaying the dragon i'm recording the Death for their finale episode tonight but scott who's who's kind of leads the charge there he he brought up the leftovers the other night when we were watching it and i was like oh my gosh you watched the leftovers because nobody seems to mm. have seen it uh but yeah wonderful wonderful show first season is like a lot of the shows you watch is the fun in their feet so you kind of have to just stick with it but Second season is one of the greatest. Ten I feel like you've
1: recommended it so many times, and I have said I have written it down or every time, and I have mm-hmm. never got to it. What's it on?
0: The second episode is the worst episode. So you watch this first episode, and then you're like, okay, cool. And then you watch the second, and you're like, well, I'm not sure about this. And then it kind of is all up from all uphill from there. And by the time you get to episode eight or nine of season one, every hour from that point Four. on is like a work of art because they're finally actually Mimi Mimi Lita. She's a director. She mm. comes in in episode five. And Damon Lindelof said that, you know, she was the missing production executive. Like, when she came in, she was the
2: missing creative mm, that just allowed us to find, uh, find the, out. Didn't she make a, uh, The Peacemaker with uh, Nicole, Nicole Kidman, Kidman and, and George Shum- Clooney? Quite possibly. Okay, wow. Yeah.
1: So she? what's Leftovers on?
0: On Neon. Oh, yeah, okay. It's on Neon. So, if you can kind of suffer your way through some dreary episodes. I, I do think by episode three, you get, a, you get a sense of what the show is about. Mm. Christopher Eccleston gets the, an entire episode to himself. Oh. and. He's a powerhouse. You had me at Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> yeah. And um, cool. it's, and Carrie Coon is, was kind of a nobody at the time. and she's sort of a You bit, had me at Carrie Coon. Oh, she's brilliant. So Good Carrie Lord. Coon is a bit part that ends up becoming... She's one of the central characters of the show because they obviously realise that she's brilliant. Anyways, Leftovers is what you want to watch. It came out... Three seasons came out years ago. Um, but the, the one I'm going to recommend, we've all seen it because we did a whole episode on it, is The White Lotus. Nice. It was almost my text of the year and I'm re-watching it again... Um, with josh there we go how many times have i mentioned his name in this episode uh but he's does he get royalties yeah yeah um he's cringing through it he can't stand awkward things and we have to have big breaks between episodes and i've had to tell him the entire plot of the show because he just can't handle not knowing uh but it's man it's a it is a great time
1: i'm gonna watch that again it is a
0: great time my only issue is the slightly saccharine ending with one of the characters sailing off into the distance but I feel the show has
2: earned that with yeah. all of the horrible characters. After people, everything it's put you know, us through. <laughs> all the other horrible characters. We e- need a bit e- of fantasy. E- everything the show has put him through specifically. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. his stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I loved the White Lotus. I just... I know William had issues with the music, but I love the music. Mm. Like, just watching... We just watched episode two with those horrific two young women, um, you know, kind of pulling more and more drugs out of their bag after claiming they didn't bring any. And just... They're just horrible people. And they... The acting is brilliant. They are s- All of the actors in that show mm. are so pitch perfect. Um, what's his name, White, who wrote and directed it? Mike. Mike White. Mm. What an mm. absolute powerhouse of a writer and a director. Just the confidence, the humour, the satire, the everything. Mm. What a joy. That's my recommendation. You've awesome. both seen it. I'm recommending it to anybody I can talk to. <laughs> Sarah, I hand it up to <laughs> you.
1: Thank you. Well... <clears throat> I had originally thought that we were going to recommend one to each of you, but I realized this one here will do nicely for you both. I don't know if you did see it when it came out, I think around the middle of the year. How do we know anymore, right? Um, time passes in such a strange way. This film is an incredibly uh, indie film called Lapsus. All right, you're both looking mm. at me like, I do not know. So there is a guy, a filmmaker called Noah Hutton, He wrote, this is his debut, he wrote, directed, scored and edited this film. My review began thus. I'd love to explain the conceit of lapsis, but for most of this low-budget sci-fi satire of the gig economy, it's hard to tell just what the gig actually is. But on the surface, it involves stringing fiber optic cables, hiking distance between a network of computer boxes in a forest so basically we have a protagonist and he's this down on his luck guy who needs to earn some money and there's a there's an organization a shady organization called CBLR like cabler and they're paying um, people who are down on their luck and desperate for money to literally cross forests like go on hikes um, with a small backpack of provisions and and very very much on a time schedule they have to just wheel this cable through the forest and then they plug it into a box somewhere and they get a new cable and off they go and it's absurd in its conceit but it is not only an absolutely fascinating and hilarious. I mean, inevitably, right? Our, our protagonist, who who is an actor, who really struck me as a young James Gandolfini, which sort of begs the question. His name is Dean Imperial. Um, it begs the question why he didn't play the young James Gandolfini in the Sopranos film. But never mind. Um, uh, anyway, lapsus. I don't. I, I don't even know what to tell you, other than you should totally watch it, just mm. because a what a fantastic um filmmaking debut from this noah hutton fellow so clever and also we don't really get very very original clever ip often anymore you know
0: i think it's back to that previous point right Mm. of just this nostalgia
1: mining yes and there's no nostalgia (laughs) mining in this Mm. because it's set in a sort of a parallel uh how do we talk about it in sci-fi terms it's in a a parallel reality universe. Well, not exactly. I mean, it's very much world. It's very much Earth. But it's kind of an. Ul- I mean, multiverse
0: ul- is the new phrase. Isn't yeah, yeah. It? No, That's getting is- bandied around a lot these days.
1: This is more like an ul- alternate mm. sci-fi reality. Yeah, right. Um, and even the sci-fi isn't really that sci or fi. Well, no, maybe it's fi. <laughs> anyway, Lapsus Noah Hutton. Totally, totally watch it. Yes. Find it somewhere and see it.
2: Sounds amazing. Yeah.
1: great
0: title as well. Lapsus. Yeah. It's cool
1: that. ass. So there you go.
0: Okay, we've come to our film of the year. Do we want to have a discussion about runner-ups first? Is that there- yeah, and then yeah. maybe if somebody shares your film of the year, just keep that a little bit secret. I reckon we can we can reveal repeated films if we want to. Um, yeah, does anyone want to jump in with some of their runner-ups? I've got one runner-up,
1: but what else? Have... Oh, I always have a three, a two, and then a one.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. And um, I, I have, I think, five, <clears throat> six? Just go through real quick. I think White Lotus for me would be my number three. That, okay. would, that, would, that would be high nice. up on my list of this year going to share a couple of yours, will you. Yeah, then?
2: sure. Um, so I had F9, The Fast Saga, director Justin Lin. Um, just had a blast seeing that with you, Jeremy, in cinemas. Um, it's has nutso action, it has big-hearted camaraderie, and it sends cars into space. I mean, what else could you want?
1: <laughs> so that would be in your top three films of the year? Uh, no, no, no was just, six. Oh, this
2: is your shortlist? Just like a Oh, yeah. okay, no, okay. No, no numbers for my show.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I, I had uh, Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright, uh, it's a mess of a movie, the third act is eh, not great. But the music, the editing, the visuals are so striking. And the very end of the movie, uh, it gives such a fitting send-off to Dame Diana Rugg that I think everything, all that mess in Act 3 is worth it just for that ending. Nice. Is, is she beautiful. in the film? Or is it? She, a- she's one of the main characters of the film. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's her final project, I think. Oh, that's special. Yeah. That's really special. Um, Green Knight, uh, David Lowry. Mm. Um, it's super slow. It's very pretty. Is that Dev Patel? Very, mm-hmm. It is Dev yeah. Patel, it is Sir Garwin, as you know, oh, the, the right. Arthurian legend. Yes. Yeah. And so it's a postmodern look at Sir Garwin and the Green Knight. I didn't enjoy the movie until, and you guys know I love this, it went into its fourth act. Nice. <laughs> it's like, yes! You just oh love my it. if there Gosh, is a fourth This act. is amazing! Yes. <laughs> yeah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then uh, VHS 94, that horror anthology movie, mm. um, one of the short films uh, called The Subject from uh, Timo uh, Tajanto, the Indonesian horror and in action film, filmmaker, is completely bonkers. Um, if you want to watch that movie, just check out that section. The others aren't very good. Uh, the Suicide Squad, James Gunn. Lots and lots of fun. I, I cannot believe how much fun I was having with that movie. And it's, in my opinion, it's one of the rare superhero movies which actually has an agenda, and it's so rare. Like, it has something to say about the state of U.S. politics and meddling in foreign affairs. Um, and I thought that was strangely brave for such a blockbuster movie. I didn't even know that movie had come out. Really? Uh, I missed that completely. <laughs> so I looked at you strangely. I'm like, that, that movie's come out already? <laughs> it came out in like, in July or, or wow, June, I Wow, I missed yeah, that. Missed that. Um, super fun. Uh, way better than the first one. And then my runner-up movie. Uh, and this is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, spoilers for later. Yeah, TV um, Is Pig. Uh, so oh, yeah. Michael Sanofsky, in his directorial debut, like, what? This is amazing. Nicholas Cage is a truffle hunter, and his, his truffle pig gets stolen. It's like John Wick, if John Wick used emotional truths rather than bullets to the his What enemies. a
1: premise a truffle pig gets stolen. I, yeah. man, I've sold it. And so he goes off into Portland, oh. goes into the big smoke and he finds his Of course, course it's in Portland pig. as well. Of course yeah. it's in Portland. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it. it's,
2: a de- it's a deconstruction and a pastiche of, of fine dining and... Of what is real and what is, you know, surface level stuff. It's so good. And I love pigs. And I love truffles. And, okay. And you pig, love Nick Cage. P- yeah, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage, master class performance mm, in this movie. Mm. And because he goes,
1: full Nick Cage. There's <laughs> no, no, no. The no, opposite. The pig, it's right. amazing.
2: Restraint.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yes. What is
2: this alchemy? <laughs> just
0: the eyes. Sometimes just the eyes. Because he has a big old bear. I do love, I actually really like Nicolas Cage. Mm. Um,
2: and the pig is so cute. Oh, so, yeah, Pig, what a movie.
0: Excellent. Sarah, what are your three and two?
1: So, uh, in not necessarily particular order, my two runners-up are... So, one of them was the most affecting film that I saw this year. It's a documentary. Most of my top films are documentaries every year. And it's called Collective. And I probably told you both to see it. Uh, And Collective is a devastating documentary about um, uh, a nightclub fire in Budapest in uh, Romania. Uh, do I mean Budapest? Budapest is Hungary. Wait, Bucharest. Bucharest. Sorry, there we go. Uh, in in Bucharest, in Romania, there was a, a nightclub fire, and uh, I think in total over sixty, nearly eighty people perished. Um, many of them at the time, and then uh, a whole lot more in hospital thereafter. Right. And um, amid accusations of, uh, of sort of political corruption amongst the, the and denial and whatnot in the the healthcare. The state-run healthcare industry. Um, uh, one particular documentarian picked up a camera, started filming the the revolution in the streets, um, and then started being able to speak to key journalists, politicians, uh, healthcare workers to uncover this really dreadful, dreadfully corrupt sort of situation. And everything I've just described, I realise, makes it sound really prosaic. Oh yeah, another documentary about corruption, and I think one of the most horrific and affecting parts of the film is that somebody within the nightclub had a camera and, and take mm. some footage and it is absolutely horrifying watching things unfold. Um, and then the film is absolutely gripping. And to me, it's yet another example of how documentary, uh, that is to say truth can be so much more affecting than fiction so often. Um, And so Collective, which is the name of the nightclub in Bucharest, is the the film. So that's most definitely one of my runners-up of the year. Absolutely. Highly recommended.
0: I've been riveted three times in this podcast by Shira. Shira. That kind of works. (laughs) Sarah Shearing, I was going to say, but we can call you Shira.
1: Um,
0: Yeah, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Now, um, my other runner-up is a wonderful New Zealand film. It was a debut, and it's sort of a thriller horror. Uh, Well, more a thriller than a horror, which is unusual for me in terms of genre. Um, And it is the film uh, Coming Home in the Dark. Did either of you see it? No. No. Holy mackerel, you have to brilliant new zealand film written and directed okay so actually it derives from an owen marshall short story um but then it takes sort of the essence of that short story and it builds it into not just a feature-length film but it also extrapolates from it various aspects of backstory for the, the various characters the short um the short synopsis if you will a family of four go on a road trip in new zealand and it's really dull new zealand landscape as well <laughs> this is not that you know this is no hobbit about any of this they go on this road trip and they encounter two taciturn mysterious drifters uh criminals um horrific things ensue uh and, and their road trip is completely um overturned and um it's masterful the performances not just from the 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 principal family but actually the two criminals um the performances are absolutely extraordinary one of the criminals is played by uh scribe's brother matthias luafutu who is an actor uh and and the other is played by daniel gillies and these guys are absolutely sublime in um do you know what I mean? They're the sort of criminals who aren't shouting at you and being overtly threatening in perhaps a Nick Cage sort of way. It's a, it's, you know, it's a very kind of sly kind of, you know, everybody better put your seatbelt on. We want to keep everybody mm. safe. Kind of like insidiousness, I love that. I love that. you know, mm. coming home in the dark from beginning to end is absolutely gripping. It is superbly written, acted, blah, blah, blah. And it also has a very, very strong moral thread. Throughout, um, which is really affecting. So, flipping egg. Did I say James Ashcroft? That's the name of the writer. To oh, write no. I know.
0: I mean, I love New Zealand film, and I love a good New Zealand horror thriller, and even more so a road trip where we get to experience parts of the country. I, sort of. I can't. Okay. So yeah. So coming. I can't home, wait to see Coming it.
1: home in the dark. Sublime. You should totally see it. Excellent. Um,
0: my runner-up film of the year is one I actually forgot was even it even came out this year, which is maybe a, maybe tells you a little bit about how i felt about movies this year but um i saw it and i thought oh, of course it has to be on my list which is in the heights it's hey. oh. such a good time watching and you know i we, we did an episode on it so you can go back listeners and hear about what we each thought in regards to that movie but i love that film i love that musical i thought that that was the best adaptation i i could expect from mm-hmm. from that story um i thought they made some really strong choices to adapt the show they removed songs that whilst the lovely songs didn't need to be there mm. and, uh, i had a great time it was colorful um you know i think it, it really is interesting that it comes out the same year as west side story and i'm interested to see how that goes there was some criticism of the film around casting and there was some criticism well not criticism of the film but you know, didn't supposedly do as well at the box office, but from the looks of things, with West Side Story that's not doing mm. oh, really?
2: very really? No, yeah. it's made a pittance. The really, weekend 10 mil, I think. Oh, low even for COVID standards.
1: Well, I heard that the Last Jewel has only made ten million from yeah. a budget of a hundred and something million. <sighs> wow, uh, and that's that's a great film. I but saw anyway, a great. Okay. I,
2: saw, I saw a
0: TikTok the other day, and you know, because Ridley Scott's gone on record as blaming millennials for yeah. the thing, and this this woman's like um many millennials are pushing 40 ridley scott we're not these kids sitting around you know like like yeah. I'm, I'm a millennial and i'm 35 like when millennials are not the, the reason your film didn't do well you just didn't market it very well i think it's the same with west side story it seems to be no marketing around the place yeah. and i would say in the heights as well like they did not seem to know what to do with these mm. these films that aren't superhero mm. franchises um, anyways, In the Heights is my runner-up of the year. I, it potentially will be the film that I watch the most in the future because, mm. you know, musicals have such a rewatchability. They really do element. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. But I do think my film of the year will also be when I rewatch many, many times. So we shall see. Mm-hmm. Who would like to start with the film or maybe television series of the year? Sarah, do you want to go first?
1: I'll go first because mine's a real bum out. Oh. so I would say hands down that the best film of this year which I saw very early in the year as is the way William as you say isn't it that the, the, the Oscar Oscar bait films come out um, sort of over Christmas and at the very beginning and then you forget about them and then you think what a crap year this has been and then you <laughs> go oh yeah anyway it was Anthony Hopkins sorry wow. Anthony Hopkins playing the father Wow. Uh, against Olivia Coleman. Mm. Um, now the uh, Florian Zeller is a playwright and he adapted his own play, The Father, to this film version. And because it's a film and not a play, he was able to do an extraordinary thing. Um, the Father is about um, the, uh, uh, an old man called Anthony played by Anthony Hopkins who indeed he wrote it for he was hoping that Anthony would play the part Um, who is uh, declining uh, mentally in a rest home with dementia or is he in a rest home it's hard to know because in the film we get to see things through Anthony's eyes so a lot of it he's actually in his daughter Anne's house and Anne is played by Olivia Coleman but then all of a sudden Anne isn't played by Olivia Coleman she's played by another actress and oh, that's um, cool. and then sometimes there's a there's a husband in the room, and then sometimes he's not a husband; he might be somebody else. And so we are really getting a sense of the father's uh, confusion, um, you know, losing his grip on on whatever he perceives the reality to be. And of course, we also do see him from the outside. This is not a this is not a bird's eye. What's it called? This is not a point of view camera, yeah. or anything mm-hmm. kind of gross like that. We'll also see him experiencing confusion and accusing people of stealing his watch and kind of, you know, and being cantankerous or being nice or suddenly being Mm. this or that. And it was absolutely devastating. And Anthony Hopkins did win the Best Actor Oscar back in, when was that, February, March? Um, uh, And absolutely worthily. Mm. Um, And I think Florian Zeller may have won... Best um, screen adapted screenplay. I can't quite remember. Olivia Colman is exceptional. So really, it's about the performances, and I think it. You know, maybe it goes without saying. I had lost my dad two months prior. Yeah. Now, admittedly, my father didn't decline in that same way, um, but there was still enough of an evocation of an older, older guy ailing, you know, losing things, his life and or his, his perceptions and all that sort of thing. And I just found it absolutely devastating. Mm. And thereafter, I couldn't watch the trailer anymore because I would immediately get flashbacks, you know. But anyway, amazing film. And so that is also such a relief to know that there is still amazing IP out there being made into mm-hmm. incredibly well-acted, well-conceived um, films. So The Father... I love that.
0: I'm definitely going to give it a shot. There's yeah, been a lot of films already. Nice. Can we try and guess William's television series of the year? Is it... Is it of this year? It, of course it's of this year. Is it Cowboy Bebop? How did you know? Is it New Zealand Celebrity Treasure Island?
2: <laughs> well, it's both of those things, actually. <laughs> Is it Succession? Do you watch <laughs> Succession? It's not Succession, oh. though. I will watch Succession yes, you someday. Will. Yeah, you as will. I post it on your Insta page. All right. Um... It is a TV... Uh, can we call Netflix shows TV shows? Yes. I don't know. It's is a it Netflix a limited show.
1: series.
2: Uh, would it be limited? I know there's a season two coming. Um, oh. So for the longest time, you guys, Reservation Dogs was my top pick. I saw mm-hmm. it in August. It's like, this is incredible. Top pick, top pick, top pick. I saw Pig. It was like, oh, Reservation Dogs is better. Top pick. And it was in November. It was actually about three or four weeks ago. Uh, that Something popped up on my YouTube feed and I had to watch it. Oh, this looks pretty good, uh, ladies and gents. Oh, it is I... arcane. It is arcane. Ah, I clicked you right as ah. right when you said it. I've had so many people rave about arcane. This, this show is it's next level stuff. Um, so, so I'm going to break down my thoughts into uh, three small sections. Um, so what is arcane? Yeah. Uh, and I this is, I wrote down a plot summary. So, <clears throat> amidst the escalating unrest between the gleaming utopian city of Piltover and the squalid repressed undercity of Zorn. Street-smart sisters Vi and Powder find themselves on the opposing sides of a war. Meanwhile, two young scientists make breakthrough discovery with Hextech, harnessing magic through technology. As these stories start to intertwine, the world itself shifts ever onwards towards an uncertain future. Ooh. Okay. So, um, I know what it sounds like. It sounds a little YA, mm. um, like, I don't know, mortal engines mm-hmm. or whatnot. And... How I would say, how I would put this is, it is probably the best YA fiction ever, made, And I would include stuff like Harry Potter in this as well. Um, Unfortunately, it is based on a video game. Right. Uh, But it's a video game I've I've never touched. It's League of Legends. I know it's super popular around the world. I've never played it. I don't know who the characters are. I just went into the show because the art style was amazing. And it's such a good adaptation. Like Is it, it animated? It's animated, yes. Completely animated? Completely animated. Okay. And I'll, I'll uh, talk about the animation in, in just a bit. So mm-hmm. uh, break it down into why I love this show so much. And it's it's something I've returned to. I've watched it twice now, the entire season. Um, How so many episodes? Nine episodes. So Netflix was smart in releasing it in three episode arcs. So it's like arc one, then there's a time skip, then arc two and arc three, to, you know. Title So it's a video game adaptation that doesn't require you to know anything about the source material and the world building is done <laughs> from the ground up, from mm-hmm. the ground up, basically everything that you see on screen informs you about what kind of world this is and what the characters are, right? It is very, very character centered. So it's the characters that always drive the plot. Uh, the plot is it's Myriad. I know a lot of people are liking it to Game of Thrones because there's so many different threads. Mm. Um, I think I, I see those comparisons, but I think this show because of its nature, it's more expensive. The episodes have to be shorter. Uh, it's just much more to the point than even the best episodes of Game of Thrones. There, there really aren't people speechifying or talking about their motives. You can see it in the characters' faces and how they move and how they animate. Like, this is what this specific character is about.
1: What country is it from?
2: Uh, it is from France.
1: And is it in French? Uh,
2: no, it's it's in American. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So it's um, an American gaming company. Uh, it's animated by Studio Fortiche, uh, which is based uh, in Paris and other French towns. Yes. Um...
1: In fact, I believe that they're the the, um, animators for Wes Anderson's French Dispatch. Well, Tish made French Dispatch? I believe so. I believe so. Are they in Auvergne or something? Uh,
2: I need to double check.
1: Okay. Okay. Wow. Uh
2: (laughs) So basically, it's it's all about it's about all this stuff, right? Characters uh, like Game of Thrones. It's about characters bouncing off each other and different character pairings. Uh, The themes are so rich. It's like ostensibly, this is YA fiction. But you've never seen a fiction like like this. Like it's it's very very much about class disparity on all sides of that fence. Like no one is ever right or wrong. There's shades of grey in our brightest heroes and our darkest villains. Like you sympathise for the villains in such a way that I, I, you very rarely see in in you know modern cinema. Um, and it, it pushes for the idea that you have this world that's. It's basically a fantasy steampunk industrial revolution. But what are the costs of that, right? What happens when you have people who are saying it's much better to be safe and to stay with the status quo versus people who are pushing for action, pushing for mm. for um, technology and science and, and revolution. Mm. On one hand, yes, it's safer to not do that. On the other hand, it shows you the the result of this class disparity that's happened because of this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just super good stuff. The characters are so engrossing. The animation... Okay, let's jump to part two, which is animation. So Studio Fortiche. Uh, I think, and I don't put this lightly... Uh, I think this is a paradigm shift in animation. For TV animation, how much money did they put into this thing? Um, so some things that spring to mind that have really shifted the needle of animation, stuff like Little Mermaid, you know, using computer animation uh, with hand-drawn stuff. Toy Story. Um, Paper Man. Did you guys see that short? Which Yes, is, uh...
1: I used to teach it.
2: Oh, <laughs> amazing. Did Thank they you. do that? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. This is all Disney. Um, into the Spider-Verse is another mm. one. Uh, and I feel like they... The style of Arcane is taking the Into the Spider-Verse 2D plus 3D and really taking that to a whole new level. It's very, very textured. Oftentimes it looks like an oil painting, like a moving oil painting with uh, brush strokes. Um, But also with 2D uh, effects animation of fire, smoke and water, hand-drawn layered on top. On top of that, it then uses modern technologies to replicate live-action camera moves. So most of it is shot like a live-action movie. Right. It's not a free-floating camera that can do crazy things. It's very, very grounded, and that aspect of it just grounds all the action, grounds all the the dialogue. It, it feels like a the world's most beautiful prestige show, even though it is animated.
1: I am so Yeah, um, I mean, this is
2: great. We've got a lot of things
0: said on this. What's the third yeah. section? The
2: um, third section is is just it's very, very nuanced. Um, the animation of the eyes there's not many much dialogue at all mm. It's basically show don't tell oh you, nice. you, you see what is happening with the how the characters flash a look at each other um, you can see you know en- like enemies kind of eyeing each other up for killing or you can see flirtations or you can see all these these little things um, a character always rolls her shoulder before getting into a first fight it's like how who thought of this nice. And the, the detail that is in the stuff? And related to that is just, I guess, the diversity of the show is also insane. Like, mm-hmm. it is a video game adaptation, and the majority of the main cast are women. Um, and it's all women, different walks of life, different races, different body builds. It's like n- nothing else is doing what Arkane is doing. And the only unfortunate thing is it's based on a video game, and that's why people are being turned off.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, oh, you say yes. you said at the start of the spiel, William, like unfortunately, it's based on a
0: video game. I think that's a reflection of how disappointing yes. video game adaptations have been, <laughs> and how it's so many of. I can't. I can't even think of. Any other video game adaptations, I'm sure there's one where I've been impressed or satisfied. I mean, I think right back to that release of uh, Final Fantasy, that film back in oh, the, boy. Was it the late 90s that it came out. I remember mean, all my friends I loved and it.
1: I. I went to shit. Oh, I so went. I was like, what But is only because this? I was like, I've never seen anything like this before.
0: I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure such that was the one where the hair story. moved. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, but that's yes. you know, it was the, the, little... the skin texture was yeah. really nice and that in that was, movie. That
1: was like a woo yeah. kind of thing. There's
0: just they've generally been you know, Resident, Resident Evil was fine, you know, yeah. but it was pretty still pretty average. And Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Bob Hoskins and <laughs> the... John Leguizamo. Neguasmo. <laughs> well, that's one of the worst one of the worst yeah you know, versions of that. Arcane, awesome. Yeah, nice. Thanks guys. Well, my film of the year is um, one that I saw recently, and I went and saw it twice, and that's Dune Part One. Wow, I was going to ask if it was it. Part One. <laughs> I I do like we talked in our chat about um, the issues of the ending, how it did kind of just end, and I fully agree with you, William, that that is an interesting choice, let's say. Um, but I don't like I said in the chat, I don't have a solution for how they could have done it better. We went and saw that movie kind of a little bit like, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this. I find, I always enjoyed Denis Villeneuve, but I do find he's sometimes, um, it can feel a bit bit cold. And I'm not saying this film didn't feel like that, but I, my mouth was kind of hanging open through the entire film. And I saw it at the VMAX. We talked we talked in our chat about it, the mm, best way to see it. Mm. You know, I prefer the VMAX because I find the sound at the IMAX just too loud. Mm. Like it hurts my ears. I feel like it's not as maybe strong of a system, and so they try and compensate by turning it up. Yeah, um, the screen is fantastic.
1: I find it. the seats hard at the IMAX; they <laughs> yeah. hurt my knees. so yeah. There you go. That's yeah, that as well. Whereas the VMAX, you oh, know, the yeah. new,
0: the new, the new cinema in Auckland at the, the We Skate and Newmarket, the seats not only do your feet come up, but the whole back of the chair, yep. you know, sort of moves back. We, we call that a recliner in the business <laughs> well it's not it's it's more than a reclining the whole base of the chair got kind of
1: oh, rotates no, that's down the recliner well there yeah, you go okay yeah. <laughs> recliner chair not to be confused with the sofa beds or something but yeah yeah, yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> beanbags no. the
1: sofa beds are strange oh, why would you what, lie on a bed up the front down, though, i don't know yeah. no, I don't no, want to know <laughs>
0: um anyways so you know and, and just that dolby atmos experience is mm. incredible i mean Often the best part of Dobby Atmos is the the, the promo clip at the start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh, I feel this around film, <laughs> you, <laughs> this movie was um, the sound was immaculate. Mm-hmm. The the sound scape. I, I really loved. It had all the best Hans Zimmerisms, both from his more recent Dark Knight whams to his his beautiful um, melodies Vang- of, like, Gladiator. I mean, I'm mm, thinking well, back to your, yes. your The Sound of Movies um, podcast, series. that you but did. But also a little summer. bit of
1: Van Jealousy sort of stuff. Did I did I feel some of mm. that? Some well, Blade I mean, valid? I feel that
0: connection to Blade Runner 2049 yeah. anyway, yeah. which he did as well. But, yeah, it was just really, really impressive. I thought the visuals and just the celebration of visuals and just the allowing of big shots. Like, I'm thinking of the nuns, the, what do they call them? The, um... They've got the the Bene Bene Gesserit, whatever they call it, arriving in the the rain. Like, like setting that in the rain was so Mm. cool. And Mm. um, I found the... Talking about fourth acts, the fact that the big action (laughs) sequence takes place smack Mm. bang in
2: the middle of that movie. And it just arrives and oh, you're what uh, an action sequence it is it, it reminded me a lot of man max fury road oh nice! like it just keeps going and going and amping up in the momentum
0: and it didn't focus on the things we usually focus on it didn't mm. focus on the hand-to-hand combat it didn't focus on the, the guns like they were all there but it was mm. it was very blade runnery with yeah. the explosions occurring and mm. the kind of shields and, and penetrating the shields and then the internal explosion and mm. the and then the sequence with um, Jason Marmor and him flying oh. through, and I just thought the character work was fantastic. I thought the acting was immaculate. And Timothy Chalamet, who I've always enjoyed, but never being like, I love Timothy Chalamet, that is the most obnoxious character. <laughs> you know, Paul is so obnoxious. He's a mm. whiny little kid, mm. and yet he managed to mm. make him. Um, I don't know if likeable is the right word but he made him you you, you felt connected with him and the mother as well she's quite a very cold Jessica harsh character to me
1: can I just say it speaks of the time when the source material was written that that they are called Jessica and Paul in the future in like not even like the year three thousand and something. The year ten thousand nine hundred and something. And they're still calling people Jessica and Paul. Those names must have come round again. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're
0: they're partnered up with all of the names of the houses and things. Ridiculous. I thought. Um, I just thought that they made those characters likable. I thought Jason Momoa was being the best parts of Jason Momoa yes, without the annoying parts I of Jason, Jason Momoa. Oscar Isaac is always a joy. I'm, yes. You know, um,
1: Josh Brolin. Thanos, was all right. Yeah, Josh Brolin. Yeah. I thought, and that was just the bit part, but he was so good in it. Stellan Skarsgård was great as great. the. Um, the, the Well, somebody likened him Heart to um, yes, but likened him to Marlon Brando. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> that, that shot yeah. of him coming up when he literally when he literally like <laughs> oh. pulling his head and
0: sw- wiping his sweat off. There was um, there was also I, I thought. Uh, there was the character... Josh Boland's character we don't know the fate of, so I'm assuming... I don't know the novel, so I'm assuming he's coming back. Um, don't and
1: say anything in case people haven't yet watched oh, part well, one. Oh, sorry, yes.
0: Okay, true. I was going to reveal a whole lot of deaths <laughs> there. No! Um, I also loved the character... Um, who was the advisor, and his eyes kind of go back into his head. Oh, yeah. He was a cool character. Now,
1: he is an interesting character actor who I've seen in everything and couldn't tell you any of it. And don't know his name, but he has such a face, doesn't he, that he's been hanging out for a Dune adaptation in order to get a a solid role. Because he's too strange for normal reality.
0: Yeah, he's a character actor.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just
0: haven't seen a movie in a long time, probably since Fury Road and before that Gravity, which is like this really can only be seen at the cinema yes i was thinking to you william i was like if william watches this on a plane i might actually say (laughs) oh my gosh if you came in i watched it on a plane i'm like no we might
1: actually replace you (laughs) in year five or six or whatever we're coming up to we would be like yeah william's gone oh that's a (laughs) good sign so there you go i can't
0: wait for dune part two i hope it happens you know there was Mm. the big um denise kind of came out and said i can't believe they're releasing it digitally um, and then Warner Brothers have come back and said, we promise we'll make part two. And I hope that's the case. If they don't make part two, it'll be devastating because yeah. what a joy of a, of a film that deserves, yeah. deserves the second part. Awesome. Before we wrap up, maybe we just go around and share some of the films that we are looking forward to seeing in the next season. I mentioned some at the start, mm-hmm. but, but what are some movies that we're, we're looking ahead to over the next month?
1: i'm desperate for house of gucci me too and even i don't care if the reviews are mixed because as far as i'm concerned i'm going to have a whale of a time um i think that it is going to be more like ridley scott's film all the money in the world the Mm. one about do you remember there was that Mm. film a couple of years back and kevin spacey played played getty and Mm. then they got rid of him and put old plumber in i think it's probably going to have that sort of uh that sort of look and feel to it
0: i'm expecting hannibal which is oh, yeah, Hannibal yeah, yeah. is messy, oh, you know? yeah, Hannibal's a yeah, messy yeah. film with some great moments and performances. Yeah. Uh, and Gaga will own it for sure. And tonally, Hannibal's all over the show. Sure. Uh, whereas I feel like that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm expecting from House of Gucci, because from the from the reviews, it's bloated, long. Pacing is off, yeah. but performances. I'm like gonna Gaga, love that. I mean, it's really Scott, one of my favorite directors, and yeah. I kind of like Lady Gaga. Yeah, we, we made that clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: know if you've ever mentioned that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, bit of a fan. And the other one, I am really looking forward to The Matrix. Um, mm. My loins are much more girded for that film because mm. just because the trailer is all again nostalgia, really. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. With a little is bit of ever? Jonathan Jonathan Groff um, <laughs> playing a psychiatrist or something. I think um, he's the, he's the
0: new agent, start, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. Right. He's the villain.
1: You can tell he's a villain from the trailer, kind you just because he's such a good actor that you can tell he's being disingenuous that's my view anyway anyway really looking forward to the matrix can I say on the
0: matrix best trailer of the year in my opinion yeah that use of the boom 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 uh, boom boom. boom. the second trailer is not as good Mm -hmm. because that song you know one pill yeah yeah yeah. what a great use of a song yeah (laughs) and
1: that film could wind up being really disappointing but you know it's an event movie isn't it
0: the first reviews have come out
2: and said it's awe inspiring and very meta
0: very, very good. Mm,
2: yeah. How are you, William? All right. Uh, French Dispatch. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And the other one which really surprises me, because I guess every single trailer has been amazing, is The Batman, the uh, new Matt Reeves movie. Uh, I love the stuff for Planet of the Apes, the, the reboot. Those movies are amazing. But everything they're showing of this new RPAT as you know Bruce Wayne... Um, it looks both visually and just thematically stunning. Um, so really, really looking forward to that. Mm.
0: Excellent. I mean, I've, I think I've said all of mine, which is, yeah, Power of Dog, which I need to see It's on Netflix, um, Encanto, which I'm seeing tomorrow, Spider-Man, which is tomorrow, Matrix Resurrections, probably go with the family to see them, which yeah. is exciting. Um, last Night is Soho, I need to see, French mm. Dispatch, House of Gucci, mm. West Side Story. Yeah. But I think the other one that is, and again, I mentioned this at the start, is... I just go back and watch the trailer. Sometimes is the tragedy of Macbeth. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. I just that the, the referencing to you know Orson Welles's black and white um, films, particularly Othello. You know the, the Ingmar Bergman. Um, what's the other big one? Uh, uh, the Polanski. Oh, a, a Polanski oh. one. Oh, the yeah, Akura, Kurosawa. A, Akira Kurosawa. Um, Akira yeah. Kurosawa. Uh, various Shakespeare films. Mm. I'm very excited for that mm. movie, and it's interesting actually connections between brothers that um, have made made films and siblings that have made made films. The Wachowski siblings and um, the Cohen brothers, the Cohen brothers or the Wachowski mm. sisters, and the Cohen brothers, and the kind of separating yeah. to go their own ways, not for any any negative reasons, but just for their own personal journeys. Yeah, um, interesting to see how these these one halves uh, mm-hmm. move forward. Mm. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. And I just want to say thank you to those listeners that have stuck with us over the last year or over the last few years as we've all navigated this online space. Um, We're coming up to, I guess, our 70th episode very shortly, eh? which is... 70 months of of us meeting together and and um i guess i want to shout out to max as well who started with us if you don't know we had a fourth podcaster for a period of time and and he's moved overseas and so sort of handed over the reins to us didn't he and i just want to say massive thank you to william and sarah um, for for meeting. Um, I don't know why I'm feeling nostalgic. Maybe because it's the first time we've met in a long time mm. and it's the end of the year.
1: I have to do a shout out to you, Jeremy, because um, I think William and I are into this, but my goodness, you keep us... Uh, regular Uh, you keep us doing this every single month without fail uh, and it's a delight to have been part of something that does have that um, that regularity that longevity and I think that that the passion that we bring to every single one of these episodes so this was your brainchild so you know what what an honor to be part of it.
0: Well, it was born fully out of our relationships that we we had, you know, that we established. And we still haven't run out of things to say about movies, had we? (laughs) Mm -mm. And we've definitely developed a common language about what we do and don't like. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate each of our perspectives and how we can sort of disagree and push back and pass the ball around Mm. and and still, you know, enjoy some cheese and and strawberries together. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context in a range of places, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode. Or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, which will kick us off into 2022. Actually, we're going to have a plethora of films to choose mm-hmm. from, right? Yes, we just we mentioned are. many and there's many more coming in January yep. we haven't mentioned. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we've sort of played around with ideas, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyways, we shall see. Until then,
2: no am my